Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's AdMail, going to address three wonderful questions from three clients. And uh, let's just do it. Let's get right into it. It's going to be a fun episode. So if you are interested in solo 401k, self-directed IRAs, opportunity zone projects, sit back, listen up, and um, think you'll learn something. It's going to be a fun next 10 or so minutes. So question one, if I want to set up a solo 401k plan for my wife's business, can I be the trustee of the plan? And this is from Steve Y of Fort Worth, Texas. So Steve, generally in the case of a solo 401k, anyone could serve as a trustee of the plan. Now the trustees clearly the one that is responsible for plan decisions, the fiduciary of the plan, and the one that has the most power with respect to plan investments. So in most cases with a solo 401k, which is generally a plan for one person or maybe more than one if there's multiple owners or even a spouse of an owner, because the spouse of an owner is not treated as an employee for ERISA purposes. So you can still have a solo 401k, even if you have a spouse who works more than a thousand hours, that's a non-owner, that works for you. So in most cases, 95% or so, the individual will be the trustee of the plan, right? So Adam Bergman has a Adam Bergman consulting firm. I set up my solo 401k to get my million dollars of income. I want to put away 58,000 because I'm under 50 and I'm going to be the trustee. Even if, even though my wife's a thousand times smarter than me, I'm still going to be the trustee in most cases because, Hey, it's my money. I'll just invest it. But I'd say 10% of the cases, you're going to have a situation where there's a spouse. Generally, this situation only applies to spouses because you're not going to trust some business person or, um, you know, third party with investment decisions, um, generally over your plan, as well as the ability to have control over the bank account of the plan. So I've seen it. I've been doing this 12 years, uh, plus, plus, you know, plus 20 plus as a tax attorney, very, very rare where you have a business and, um, you're going to have a third party that's not lineal, not a family member, be the trustee of the plan that's not in the business, but it could happen. But in most cases, it's your business, you're the trustee, or let's say your wife's the genius of the business, but maybe um, the husband is better investment or, or vice versa, right? The husband runs the business, but the wife's the superstar stock picker. So you just rather have the wife be the trustee, make all the decisions. Either way, it's your money. You can do whatever you want. You can have a third party be the trustee, you know, as long as that person agrees. Um, I've seen co-trustees, which makes a lot of sense too. You can have a husband and wife be trustees. Both will have to sign or you can um, authorize one to have signatory authority through a, a resolution. So you have a lot of options. I just think if it's your money, you should have some responsibility. Um, maybe not to make decisions from an investment standpoint, but generally control over the bank account. And, and that's why being the trustee is so important because you'll have control 
over the day-to-day -day operations of the plan, which includes the bank account. So I would put yourself on there if you want to add a spouse or a third party to, to help you make investments, fine. I mean, you don't have to make them the trustee, right? They can just have uh, the ability to, to assist you. But if you want that person to have investment discretion, then maybe just do uh, a co-trustee or, or set up a trading account and give that person you know, authority over that account, but maybe still become the trustee of your plan. So you still have control over other aspects of the plan. So Steve, that, that's my suggestion. Um, if it's a plan for your wife, then you know do co-trustees. Think that makes a lot more sense. Second question, Kenny C of Greensboro, North Carolina, and I know Kenny, and he, he asks, and he actually asked me this question, but I want to share it with all of you. I have a checkbook IRLC with IRA Financial, and need to travel to check out property. I may want to buy. Can I deduct your travel costs? So the first thing I told Kenny is, you don't own the property, Kenny, right? Your IRA does. That's the concept behind a checkbook IRA LLC. The IRA is the owner, you're the manager, but the IRA is the sole owner of the LLC. So you have your LLC in North Carolina, say we called it ABC LLC. The IRA, Care of IRA Financial Trust, is the sole owner, so it owns 100% of the IRA. And the LLC operating agreement, Kenny, has you as the manager. So you have control, you can pick the property, you can decide what color the house is, how much you wanna pay for it, who you wanna rent it out, when you wanna sell it. But from a travel standpoint, I would not pay travel fees. Um, as the manager, remember, you're acting on behalf of your IRA. So it gets a little bit, I would say, messy, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, generally, you, of course, you can't personally deduct it, it's not a business. And number one, you're not the owner of the business. So a deduction would flow through the business. So that's not an option. Now, could you get reimbursed? Maybe Kenny, that would be the right question. Could you get reimbursed? And I think it's risky. Why? Because anytime IRA funds are sent to a disqualified person, i.e. you, there's a trail and it always opens the Pandora box for the IRS to question that transaction. Now, the regulations under 4975-6 say you can be reimbursed for necessary, reasonable and necessary expenses. Now that generally is you know, a lawyer or paying the IRA custodian or an accounting fee. Going to see a property I do not think is necessary. You could have had a third party do it. Maybe you can check it out online. You can hire um, you know, a realtor or someone to, to do this, take pictures or video for you. So I'm not sure it's necessary. You know, I bought stuff without going to physically inspect the property. It does happen. It's not common, but it happens. Now, if you want to go, Kenny, I mean, go go fly or go drive, do what you need to do. No one's going to know if you're, you're driving on your own personal time to check out property, just like you may spend two hours a day researching stocks for your IRA, right? On company time or, or, or on the weekend, whatever. It's something you can do, right? It's your money. You can still make an investment decision for your IRA, I just wouldn't deduct, def definitely not, and certainly would not try to get reimbursed for any IRA real estate expense because, again, it opens uh, the window jar to potential IRS attacks. You're going to have to potentially explain what that expense is. Was it solely for the IRA? I mean, you, you expense the Denny's breakfast. I mean, did you have to eat there? Is that a personal benefit? It just, it opens up the window to attack and it's just not worth it. So 
if you got to go to Raleigh or to see the property, just drive there and just take care of it. There's no need to deduct it or get reimbursed. Just it's a personal uh, travel trip that you happen to check out this property. I think that's cleaner, safer, and will protect you from IRS scrutiny. So that would be my suggestion to Kenny or anyone out there who's looking to travel to see a property that they may potentially buy in their IRA 401k. Just, just do it. Don't deduct it. Don't reimburse it. Um, just, just do what you need to do. Just like if you are stock picking in your IRA or, or buying cryptos, you know, you may spend time or speak to people or, or do things like that, but um, not sure you're going to want to, um, you know, reimburse or, or take a deduction for that activity. Third question is from Lauren M of Scarsdale, New York. And Lauren wants to know, can I use my IRA to invest in an opportunity zone project? So you can. And obviously, just to give you some background, what's opportunity zone projects for the listeners out there just may have not um, you know, come across that um, you know, type of investment before. Essentially, something that was created by the, the uh, during the Trump administration um, period, it's actually bipartisan support. Democrats and Republicans supported this. And it's goal is to spur investments into um, areas of the country that are underdeveloped. And the incentive is, hey, if you hold the property, or the, I should say, if you hold the investment for at least 10 years, then there's no capital gains. Now, we know retirement accounts don't pay capital gains, right? So you're losing some of that benefit anyways. But if you think it's a great investment or you just want to do something really good with your retirement account to help out a area uh, of your community, of your state, of your country that you feel um, you know could be a successful investment, also help the people, the community that is surrounding that investment, you can do it with an IRA or 401k. Even if you sell it in two years, you're not going to have to pay any capital gains tax, which is great. The one hurdle is you generally need to be an accredited investor to do operating zone pro projects. And what is or who is an credit investor, that's someone who makes at least $200,000 a year, $300,000 if they're married, file jointly, two consecutive years, or have net worth over a million dollars, not including a primary residence, or have some type of investment certification like a series or if you work at an investment firm. So if you satisfy those criteria and you are a credit investor, you can do an opportunity zone project. Uh, you don't have to wait to 10 years because none of the gains would be subject to tax. If the project did last 10 plus years, then you would receive all the gains without tax anyways because IRAs or 401ks don't pay tax. So you don't get all the benefits of the opportunity zone, right? Because if you did this with personal funds, you would escape capital gains taxation so long as the investment was held 10 plus years. But hey, if you think you're going to do really well with the opportunity zone, you think it's a good investment, plus it's going to do some good for the particular community at issue, um, then you know, it may make a lot of sense for you. The only hurdle, again, you're going to have to uh, deal with is the accredited investor threshold, um, which generally you would need to satisfy to do an opportunity zone project. So Lauren, I hope you uh, got what you needed on this question. Obviously, thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Steve, for your amazing questions. Three great clients of IRA Financial. If uh, anyone has further questions, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, YouTube, IRA Financial, or you can just send us an email to info at IRA Financial and just say ad mail or ask Adam, and those questions will 
find their way to my inbox. Um, I get maybe 20, 25 a week. So I got a lot in the queue and I'm just trying to pick the best ones. But if you send a question and it has not been, um, if I haven't got to it, I'm sorry. I'll get to it. I promise, promise, promise. Just a lot of questions, a lot of people out there in the self-directed retirement nation that um, are interested in knowledge and are hungry for more knowledge. So I will do my best to get all of you the answers you need. But if there's a question hanging out there that you just can't find an answer for, don't worry. Send us in the question and I promise at some point I will get to it. So thanks again for uh, listening. If you're watching on YouTube, um, thank you also. And um, don't forget to check out my two other podcasts, um, Adam Talks each Wednesday and Add Bits every Tuesday if you're looking for a bit of information on specific self-directed retirement topics. So there it is. Hope you guys enjoyed AdMill and I'll see everyone again next week. Thank you.